This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Rise above and be in control with today's business headlines, driven by Volvo Cars. BFM 89.9848 right now. Budak Pasir Melayu has got to be one of my favourite acronyms there. Yeah. Melissa and Han here with you as we take a look at the top business stories of the day. Tapi siapa yang Pasir Melayu kat sini ni? You ke saya, Melissa? Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fail. <laughs> Let's take a look. Big at... fail, Melissa. BFM 89.9. That should be at the back of my business card. Okay, Kazana National divesting their 16% stake in IHH Healthcare to Mitsui. This is for 8.4 billion ringgit. So this is a 16% stake and is set to be taken up by Mitsui & Co, which is a Japanese public listed conglomerate. So I I think uh, the details of the stake uh, had just been made public by Kazana. So it was a speculated story on the front page of today's uh, Starbiz. But Kazana has come out to confirm this is a 16% stake at uh, 6 ringgit per share. Um, and this is, I guess, a 14% premium mm. when it comes to what it closed at yesterday. 5 ringgit 25 cents. Yeah, so we're certainly going to see how IHH performs uh, when it opens uh, in about 10 plus minutes or so from now. So the story here is that Mitsui will be become, once again, the biggest shareholder in IHH, which is one of Asia's largest private hospital groups. Before this, it was Kazana, again, because they are divesting that 16% stake. I mean, they'll still have a stake in IHH, uh, about 26% or yeah. so, but Mitsui will overtake them. Mitsui will have uh, about a 34% uh, of IHH. Yeah, so I think this is interesting. So if we were to take a look at this relationship, right, the Mitsui and Kazana relationship. So they have, I think this is the second time that they're involved in buying each other's shares in mm. IHH. Back in 2011, IHH bought a 30% stake in Kazana, uh, sorry, in IHH from Kazana. Let me repeat that. Mitsui bought a 30% stake in IHH from Kazana back in 2011. And then from that point on, they had pared down their stake. Now they're adding to it with that 16% stake um, mm. from Kazana. So, um, you know, this is really quite interesting. So this kind of, there has clearly been an existing relationship between the two countries. But also, if I may, um, you know, this is also at a time where we are now turning our attentions back to the Look East ah. policy, right? So have, making friends once again with our, our buddies there in Japan. Yeah, calling on some favours there, perhaps, perhaps. But so you're going to ask why this transaction. So uh, you got Kazana saying that this is an important part of the restructuring of their portfolio. The proceeds, that 8.4 billion ringgit that they will get from this uh, uh, stake pair down will be utilised for new investments and capital requirements. Now, we have seen under Malaysia Baru, Kazana has this new direction. They say they want to be less involved in running the business and uh, not holding uh, as many strategic stakes in so many companies. So mm-hmm. paring it down, uh, perhaps becoming more passive on that front. Yeah, no, look, I understand. And this has been well telegraphed by all parties involved, mm. right? But, but this is a story about short-term gain versus long-term gain, mm-hmm. right? So whether this short-term money is going to be good for Kazana, how they're going to be spending this short-term money, because, you know, um, IHH has prospects to 
to be, uh, you know, for, for stronger earnings. And this has been corroborated by analysts um, alike. Yes, granted, I have to admit that there was uh, a net loss that they booked in the third quarter, 104 million ringgit in terms of net loss. But right. that was really dragged down by their uh, Turkey uh, operations, right? The Archibedim really, uh, operations because of the depreciation of the lira, which mm-hmm. just you know fell off a cliff. So they had a lot of borrowings that were non-lira denominated. And I think that really dragged earnings uh, the financial results for um, IHH, but but also IHH has uh, interest in Fortis, which has exposure to the Indian market. Mm-hmm. So much potential there. That's right. So if you look at uh, an article in today's Star Biz, one of the stories has a headline, and I'm reading, uh, quoting here: analysts positive on IHH. IHH's prospects mm-hmm. despite Q3 net loss, right? So despite what's going on, on over there in Turkey, they are saying, you know, long term, you know, these guys, uh, IHH has got some positive prospects here. So MIDF Research has a buy call. Uh, you know, some of these other analysts uh, mentioned this article, uh, Kananga Research as well. Uh, you know, uh, they all gave their views in that article, right? So now with this latest development that just happened this morning, right, Kazana will then get a smaller share of that pie versus Mitsui. So again, you know, question is at that fourteen percent premium. Fine, is this price and is the eight point four billion ringgit uh, warranted now for this these short term gains given the shift in their mandate versus the potential long term revenue that IHH could give them? Yeah. So I guess the other question is, I mean, if this is part of all you know that that trajectory who else could potentially be on the chopping block right mm-hmm. so kazana has a uh, stake in multiple companies uh, ihh just being one of them but you know they have a 33% stake in airports they have 28% in tanaga um, telecom 26% so they have multiple stakes whether we might be seeing more headlines like this in the in the coming uh, weeks and months who knows right and then as those stories happen that's if they happen right then question is where is that money going to go to because from the communication that we've been hearing as reported in the media out of Kazana, they are wanting to invest domestically and they might even go into industries whereby the formal financial sector, the banking sector, ah. are reluctant to finance. So what are those sectors? You know, will there be more of a social agenda for Kazana versus uh, you know just changing the good old ring in and sense? Well, yesterday on the Breakfast Grill, we had the Holstein Milk Company, which Kazana ah. owns 30% of. So right. I thought that was quite interesting. I mean, to for Kazana to be investing into what, uh, as you mentioned, you know, banks had traditionally not wanted to fund the dairy industry. So perhaps we might be seeing more of these types of investments. More milk. <laughs> <laughs> as a lover of cows, I have no complaints. Right. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, now we're looking at FGV Holdings, which uh, according to the chairman and interim CEO, Dato Azhar Abdul Hamid, is in recovery mode. So, uh, of course, this is after FGV had taken its biggest hit yet in terms of impairment. This was after the 2014 acquisition of Asian Plantations Limited, APL, which is listed in London. And that impairment had cost FGV almost half a billion ringgit in terms of impairments. 513 million ringgit, to be exact. Right, and the um, the analogy or the description that they used to describe FGV in its current state, yeah, it sounds like you know somebody that was in the, one of IHH's hospital <laughs> beds, right? Somebody had gone through surgery and they're stitching them up now. Yeah, so uh, Dato Azhar actually uh, likened the uh, FGV to a patient undergoing a heart bypass. So, um, Azhar said uh, FGV had 
cleared the blockages and is now closing up the stitches. But whether that's true, so let's take a look at what's happening with the company because not just have they been hit by this half billion ringgit impairment, they're also taking action against 14, 14 former directors. That's mm-hmm. a lot of people to be taking legal action against. Yeah, then looking at the numbers as well, uh, look, their share price dropped a record low uh, to close at 92 cents. Uh, they had a net loss in the third quarter, uh, you know, coming in at 850 million ringgit. Uh, of course, the impairment for APL, that Asian plantations that you mentioned just mm-hmm. now, accounted for uh, about 65, more than half, 65% uh, of that uh, bigger uh, drop in the net loss. Yeah, okay, look, so so to be fair, right? The APL oh, sorry, bigger increase in the increase in the last yeah. So the APL you meant uh, the APL impairment that's that's the bulk of it. But let's <coughs> not discount the other impairments because sikit sikit lama lama jadi bukit, right? Budak So there are also um, um, impairments that were booked following the FGV Cambridge Nano Systems um, acquisition. That's about 50, 53 million ringgit. There was also FGV Green Energy that had impairments. The units of the Troika condominium also had a bit of uh, impairment. Impairment. So all that adding up to quite a significant amount for FGV. However, whether they are moving past this, so you know, they, they have to just register this and move on. I mean, the question is whether they're now in recovery mode or whether there's still more surgery to be had. Yeah. Oh, wow, we're really we're really living <laughs> up to this medical analogy. It's, it's finding a home here. Right now, so the same can be said about palm oil prices, right? You know, whether they are recovering. So we have seen palm oil futures now going back above that psychologically important 2,000 ringgit per metric ton mark. It's at uh, 2014, uh, right now 2014. Uh, but then, uh, you know, when you look at the uh, projections for FGV, well, sorry, uh, let me try that again. FGV GV's projections for CPO prices, they expect it to range between 1900 and 2100 ringgit per ton next year. So pretty much range bound from the current levels that we're at. Now, is that enough to resuscitate or to revive <laughs> FGV's fortunes? Or, you know, just keep them, uh, you know, kind of flatlining right yeah, now. Yeah, very nice. Very nice, Han. All right. Okay, let's uh, very quickly take a quick look to this anonymous source quoted by Bloomberg. Indonesia's Gojek is set to roll out a preliminary version of its app in Singapore today bringing fresh competition to Grab. Yeah. So what's happening in Singapore, obviously we're going to ask ourselves, we like to compare ourselves with our neighbours down south, right? So will Gojek come here? Apparently not because back in July, you got the Transport Minister, YB Anthony Lok, already saying that there are no plans to introduce motorcycle ride-hailing services here in Malaysia. So the question is, you know, is it because of our errant ways on the roads of Malaysia, <laughs> we are stifling ourselves from the tremendous potential that these fintechs can offer us? Fulama. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I also want to mention that the Malaysian Competition Com- uh, Commission or MyCC is also uh, expected to wrap up their that investigation that they were doing uh, for the Grab Uber merger that's mm. supposed to be concluded by the end of December. So whether or not this merger had led to Grab having a monopoly in the e-hailing business here in Malaysia. All right, it's coming up to the opening bell at Bursa Malaysia and we'll bring you the opening numbers in the 9 o'clock news bulletin after this, BFM 89.9. Keeping you on track for peak business performance with the new Volvo XC40, the expression of innovation. Volvo, made by Sweden. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.